Thanks, and they were expecting Bradley Hammond to be with us for We read these words in Psalm 146. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth. He returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers, he relieveth the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Let's come together in prayer and ask the Lord's enabling grace and blessing upon our meeting this evening. Our dear, gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we do come before you this evening. And we do pray, Lord, that through the ministry and help and enabling grace of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to praise the Lord. We will be able to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We pray you bless and encourage every aspect of our meeting together this evening. And we commend one another to you now, and indeed our time together, in the most precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Our first hymn is number 11. I'll praise my maker while I breath, and when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall ne'er be past, while life and thought and being last, or immortality endures. Hymn number 11.
chapter 11. shall begin to read at verse 16 and read through to the end of the chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 16. I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak it not out of the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many glory out of the flesh, I will glory too. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing yourselves as wise. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, and deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, and night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often in hunger, and thirst in fastings often in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak, who is offended and I burn not, if I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed for evermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas the king kept the city of Damascenes with a garrison desiring to apprehend me, and through a window in a basket. I was let down by the wall and escaped his hand. Well, may the Lord add his blessing to his most precious, precious word. Let's sing again, shall we? It's hymn number 590. Though great mysterious God unknown, whose love hath gently led me on, and from my infant days, my inmost soul exposed to view, and tell me if I ever knew thy justifying grace number 590 
device, let's try it together. Our dear gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we do indeed thank you once again that we come together as a body of your people, that we become united in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we trust we can come united in prayer before the throne of grace as we pray in his most precious and wonderful name. Thank you for the wonderful blessing of salvation. Thank you, Lord, it's solid and sure and sound and eternal. We thank you, Lord, that once saved, Lord, we can never be lost, that no one can pluck us out of the Father's hand. Thank you for the security that we have as believers. May we indeed know your enabling grace and rich mercy upon us, each and every one this evening. Thank you, Lord, for this Lord's Day. Lord, may our come along one and every second. May we do treasure and thank you for them. That we can put aside the cares and concerns of everyday uh, issues and concentrate on uh, serving and worshipping our great God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have. Lord, there are many, many things that could keep us away from this fellowship here this evening. But Lord, in your goodness and mercy, you put the desire within our hearts to be here. Lord, there are many that could be here but are not here for different reasons. Do be with them wherever they are and help them to remind them that this is the Lord's day and that they indeed is a day of worship and praise to our sovereign God. Do help and encourage those, Lord, in the, this fellowship who have concerns of health at this time. Do be very, very close to them. Do help them. Do enable them. Do strengthen them. And when the doubts come and the fears come, may the Holy Spirit himself minister to them in such a wonderful, wonderful way that they may know the gentle blessing of the Saviour. And we do pray, Lord, for those involved with ministry uh, or those involved in treatment this coming week. Please, Lord, would you comfort them and help them and enable them. And we do commend it to you, Lord, and commend them to you. Lord, we do thank you, Lord, for many uh, blessings that we have. And, Lord, we know as we get older, our parts of our bodies begin to wear out. And, Lord, things are much more difficult. We more difficult to get around and we just thank you Lord for all that we have been able to do, all that we are able to do and we trust in your enabling grace that all we will be able to do. We thank you Lord that there is always a work for Jesus that only you can do and we pray Lord you'd help us as our circumstances change that you would guide and lead us into areas where we can serve you appropriately and fully Because, Lord, that is our desire. We desire to be useful in the kingdom of God. We desire, Lord, to be grateful for all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And we do indeed commend, Lord, bearing another to you, as we would seek to have the ministry of helps and encouragement. May be we those who encourage one another, that we may indeed know that help and encouragement from them in turn when it is needed. And we just praise and thank you, Lord, for every blessing that it is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this morning for our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church, and we would pray for them this evening. Do help them and encourage them wherever they may be, that they may know your enabling grace and blessing as they seek to worship you, Lord, in the spirit and in truth. May they indeed be protected the enemies of the gospel and we pray Lord for many of these enemies of the gospel to be converted we pray Lord for our own nation godless and and, and Christless and teetering on all sorts of um, unsteady foundations again Lord we pray you would have mercy upon our land that you would raise up men to preach the word of God faithfully from the pulpit and indeed in the open air And that, Lord, in your goodness and mercy, you would draw many men, women, boys and girls to yourself. That you would grant many repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that many would become saved. <coughs> Do indeed, please, Lord, help and encourage us and enable this happen to our, in our land, where we can be of some help, some word here, some word there. We pray, Lord, you would grant us and give us those opportunities that we so desire. Do bless and encourage, Lord, the word of God as it is preached this evening. And then, Lord, as we meet together around the table, we remember again the Lord's death and in his, in his appointed way. The reminder of a broken body and the reminder of shed blood and the enormous cost of our salvation. Do pray, Lord, and thank you for these opportunities. And we are very much aware that we are to do this until he come. And one day there will be the last Lord's Supper somewhere in this world. And then the end will come. And all we could pray, Lord, is come, Lord Jesus. And we long for that day when the Lord Jesus Christ will come again in glory and wonder and splendor. And that those of us who are down here will be raised to meet him and the saints of the air and be forever with the Lord. Do undertake and keep us, Lord, secure in these wonderful, wonderful truths. And we ask your rich blessing upon us now as we continue together. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our next hymn is number 572. Dear Saviour, that thou art mine, how sweet the thought of thee to me. Let me repeat thy name and lift my heart to thee. 572. Amen. Hey. 
been under attack by false by false apostles and false teachers. And in this attack, they have tried to undermine his ministry. Now he's going to respond to them. And the Corinthian church, giving details, if you like, of Paul's qualifications, both natural and acquired. They Paul is not being foolish, and neither is he being boasting. Paul has been jeered at for being a fool. Read it there, don't we? I say again, let no man think me a fool. But what better thing than to be a fool than Christ? I think it's the other side of it. Who's fool than you? He doesn't, Paul doesn't want people to think he's been guilty of folly. He's obliged, in a sense, here to vindicate himself. I just want to give you a quote, Nate, from John Calvin. And what Calvin says on this particular passage is this. Paul exposes the disgusting vanity of the false apostles. Paul exposes the disgusting vanity of the false apostles. There is a line between human feelings and divine inspiration. Paul really doesn't want to say these things, but he must defend his apostleship. And there are times when we have to defend, perhaps when there are um, false accusations made. And there have been instances in this the previous year of how uh, people have been jobs because they don't agree with a particular modern way of living. Churches have been thrown out of um, premises because they don't agree with same-sex marriage. And there have been occasions where, with the help of other organisations, these people have been taken to court and have been found to be in the wrong. There is a place where we must defend the ourselves, the church, the gospel, and so on. We have to, of course, be very wary and, 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 and have much wisdom how this is done. Now, Paul does acknowledge here that Christians are not supposed to boast. But, sometimes, I say, there is the need to be vindicated. But in do so doing, there is a great need to be so wise, to ask the Lord for wisdom when we seek to go down that line. You see, Paul is very, very jealous for the honour of the Lord Jesus Christ. To him, the Lord Jesus Christ is that principle to ourselves. But Christ is our Lord. He is our Saviour. He is the second person of the Trinity. Surely it must jar on our nerves when we hear people use him as a verse 17 he says this that which I speak I speak it not after the Lord but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting what he's saying there well Paul is saying there is that he doesn't have a um, a specific command from the Lord to speak but that he will speak on his own 
However, what he will say and what is recorded here is not contrary to the Lord or to his word. Now the Lord Jesus Christ never boasted and his spirit which resides in his children today will never lead them to boast but we must remember that what follows is still the inspired word of God and through it all what shines through is Paul's humility now the fourth on three fronts. They boasted of their descent and reputations and their works. They boasted on external and secular things. And they boasted of worldly advantages. And none of this behaviour whatsoever commends a person the Lord. And Paul is almost being forced to say what he is now about to say. Verse 19, for ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. In other words, what's here is fine irony. They were so wise, these false apostles, that they were able to discern the their father wisdom took them. They will gladly hear what Paul has to say. It matter because these false apostles, they have so much prophetic wisdom that uh, it just won't have any effect on us because we've got it all. We know it all. And do they realise what the false prophets are actually saying. And there are so many around today, aren't there? In the church, out of the church. Now their wisdom is very strange because for all their supposed wisdom they're actually coming to bondage. So many come into bondage. You talk to people today, I want to be free. I don't want to be restricted by a load of rules and regulations. I don't want to be told how I've got to behave, how I've got to act towards my, my wife and my children or my parents. I don't want to be told how I've got to speak or how I've got to do this and I've got to do that. I want to be free to do my own indeed a trap and it's a very difficult one to get out of once you're hooked it takes only really some superhuman effort or the ministry of the Holy Spirit to get people released and people uh, have allowed to die teachers to gain an assembly you think for a moment the small groups in our country that creates so much fear in people. Take the LGBT group. A very, very small portion of the population as a whole. And think of the effect they have on organisations. Think of the fear they engender that people dare not speak against in public. Think of the trans group. As soon as you mention... You think of the biblical, you know, male and female he created, and what happens? And comes the hate mail, the nasty 
emails and so on and so forth. And yet they are such a small group. And you can go and someone called it once, we live under a system of minor tyrannies. That so small groups can affect the whole of the nation. They gain an ascendancy. They were full of pride. They had sets of rules, leaving no room for conscience or reason. They were tyrants over the people. And as we mentioned this morning, when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. It's so easy, isn't it? We have a, a service here this evening where we remember the Lord's death. And yet some places have turned this into a into a almost like a performance. Into such things as transubstantiation, changing that bread into the actual body of Christ, that wine into the actual blood of Christ. And people are led to believe this. They're chapped by it, captured by it. Their bondage, bondage of rights and ceremony. And basically, it, it ends up treating these people are treating people like slaves. And uh, people want to lord it over people, wouldn't it? You noticed uh, during the lockdowns, paid politicians love to control. make rules and to make heavy penalties for those who dare stand up for freedom or to break them. They're making so much, these false of us, they're making so much money out of people. People are health and wealth possible and they much. You never see a poor health and wealth possible. Many of poor people in their congregation themselves are usually quite rich and well off. And they bring them under the bondage of the Lord. And he goes through, doesn't he, about the various things that he suffered here. And of what has happened. Are they ministers? I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons, more frequent in deaths off. And so he goes through that list there from 24 onwards of what's gone on. Slighting on the face, for example, was in that culture one of the highest forms of indignity one person could inflict on another. And of course, we have the supreme example, don't we, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is in the smoke? And it happened, of course, to Paul, didn't it? In Acts 23, verse 2. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. And in the Old Testament, remember where Ahab was about to go up against Ramoth Gilead. And all the prophets came out, the false ones. Go up there, Ahab. God's on your side. You'll win. Everything will go right. And he calls out a man of God. All right, Jehoshaphat does. Insisted a prophet of the living God come. Micaiah. And he says the truth of God's word. And we read in 1 Kings 22, 24. But Zedekiah, the son of Chenaiah, went near and smote Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way went the Spirit of the Lord for me to speak up? You see, people had committed 
call about his life about his bodily ills and people often do today don't they when a Christian falls desperately ill where's your God and Paul uses words that he can also boast yes he doesn't care what they think of him really you know he can be contemptible with their views as to his person but what he will not put up with is any contemptible ways they have towards his doctrine and his lips and we've got to be prepared for that people will attack us personally and we've got to accept them we must defend the gospel. We just must defend the ministries that the Lord has given us. And of course, Paul acknowledges his weakness. Paul's not Superman. You get that impression when you read the New Testament, what Paul did, the missionary journeys, he went here, he went there, he saw this people saved and that person saved. But he wasn't Superman. He was flesh and blood. Tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 3, as I was with you in weakness and in fear, and much trembling. Do you find that encouraging? The Apostle Paul went around in much trembling. You know, you get this impression he just comes up in the city. Letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is But what Paul relies on is the Spirit of God. He doesn't believe in his own self confidence. And that's the quickest way to fall over, to do things in our own strength. And between verse 21 and verse 33, the end of the chapter, Paul demonstrates his superior ministry or his superior ancestry and his superior apostleship. Paul suffered bodily for the gospel. Paul suffered mentally for the gospel. Paul went through much pain for the gospel. Paul went through many perils for the gospel. But he also tells us in verse 22 that he's a Hebrew. He challenges the false teachers. Do you speak the Hebrew language? There's no doubt that Paul is an Israelite. He's descended from Jacob, not from Esau. He's not a proselyte, but he's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Through his father and mother, he can trace his genealogy through to the tribe of Benjamin. What a pedigree. He was Hebrew by descent and Israelite by privilege. The seed of Abraham, in respect to so many of the promised blessings... In no area at all, in no point, did Paul lack behind any of his opponents. And the question he's asking, are these false apostles ministers or merely professors? You see, ministers, today we would call them pastors and elders, are first and foremost servants. They're not there to be to, to, to be served, they're there to serve in the calling which God has given them. And this argument that Paul has having here is almost been forced on. 
Paul had a high calling because it was the Lord that put him in the ministry. He didn't put it in himself. I remember he was on the way to Damascus to sort the church out. But the Lord intervened on that Damascus road and changed his life forever when he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did, as I say, he goes through this list of what he went through in the cause of the gospel. He suffered much persecution for the Lord. He had little time for ease. But he spent a lot of time traveling. Remember what happened in Philippi. He was beaten by the people he tried to reach, didn't he? We read in Acts 16, 22, And the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. He'd been put in prison. And of course he had that long imprisonment in Rome we just find described in Acts chapter 28. And he's asking the question, how many, how many times in prison have the false apostles been in? Probably none at all. But Paul was often in great danger, wasn't he? We read in Acts 14 and verse 19, and there there came certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and had stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 31, I protest by your rejoicing which you have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. his missionary service with anyone. Talks there about how he, uh, in verse 24, the Jews five times received received I forty stripes These stripes were a particularly Jewish punishment. And the number of the stripes is sanctioned by law. And we read of that if we wish to in Deuteronomy chapter 25. Now none five cases that he mentions here, five times received I, are mentioned and described in the book of Acts. The highest number that could be administered was 39, 40 minus 1. There are two ways that people think that this punishment is going to Firstly, 13 strokes on the breast, 13 on the left shoulder and 13 on the right shoulder, which equals 39 in all. The other way that people think would be there would be three cords to the whip, and each cord counted for one stroke, thus making a total of 13 strokes. Whichever one it was, or even it may have been something else, one thing one can be sure of And no doubt, due to their hatred of Paul, they laid it on. To hurt him as much as possible. Verse 25. Thrice I was beaten with rods, and once I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, and a night and a day I have been in the deep. That describes a punishment given out by the Romans. And that was, of course, what we read of earlier, which happened to Paul and Silas. Philippi. The other name for that punishment is called scourging. And Paul was also stoned at Lystra. He was shipwrecked three times. He gives a graphic account of one of these events where he clung onto a plank of wood or a raft to survive. He did lots of travelling in difficult places. He crossed turbulent rivers wrist attack from bandits and 
robbers. And the Jews, of course, hated him. We read in Acts 23 and verse 12, And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and banged themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. He was also, of course, in danger from non-Jewish peoples as well. There was dangers in the cities of Jerusalem, Damascus, Ephesus. When traveling in the wilderness, he endured the extremes of the heat and the cold and the threat of wild animals. He was in danger. He was in danger on the seas through various voyages that he undertook. He was also under the threat spies and apostates. He speaks of the daily grind of labor and trial. And as he undergoes all this constant tribulation, and this is the amazing He went nights without sleep. He spent times of hunger when there was no food available. You see, fasting, remember, it was a voluntary exercise, as opposed to hunger and want. He was often cold, very little of what to keep him warm. He also suffered other troubles and mental depression. But all these perils were but little to him when it came to the divine task of preaching the gospel and setting up churches. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knowing that I lie. He carried a daily burden of anxiety for the future that he had been involved with. So we have a burden for our churches. We are in danger, aren't we? We're all quite small and in the main quite healthy. And a number of us are not well. gospel calls in fellowship. Do we have a burden for the church? Do we have a burden to be at the services of the law on the Lord's day? Burden to be at the prayer meeting. Burden for the fellowship of the Lord's people. You see, Paul claims no exemption from the ills that befell. This shouldn't happen to me. A missionary. It happens. It happens one form or another throughout the world. You see, he does sympathize, doesn't he? In verse 29, who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? He does he sympathizes so much with those under persecution. He would understand what our brothers and sisters are going through tonight. Let's say in Saudi Arabia, Burma, Myanmar, wherever there is persecution, he would know what they're going through. And like him, we need to ask the Lord, and I really include myself in this have true Christian compassion for every member of our fellowship. And then to obviously move it out, to broaden it out to others. You see, what Paul will boast of, and this is what, what has the Lord done for him? That's something that we can say, they not, not use the word boast, but something that we can proclaim. What has the Lord done for me? 
how he saved me and, and blessed me and encouraged me in so many, many ways. And Paul boasted his weakness and his helplessness because then he knows it is the Lord that works through him and uses him. Paul is a, a wonderful example of the wonderful things that Christ can do through such a feeble servant. Doesn't that encourage you? We're all feeble servants of the Lord. In one way or another. It's hopeful. Because the Lord will use us and enable us. And that's what Paul does. He glories in how the Lord is sustained. And Paul appeals to the Lord for the truth that he asserts. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And he had the assurance of the knowledge of God in his heart. And we must be absolutely sure own standing before the Lord when we seek to speak out the gospel to whosoever we have the opportunity to. When we proclaim God's word. Remember what happened to him. Here he was going to Damascus. He wanted to find people there, men and women who were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted to bane them up, drag them along to Jerusalem, and therefore get them punished. But then suddenly he met the Lord. And then he had the encounter with Ananias, brother Saul. What that must have meant to Two words. What an encouragement. Brother Saul. And then, of course, we know that uh, he, pe- he was preaching, wasn't he? And then the Jews there in Damascus, they decided they wanted to kill him. But we know, don't we, the end of the chapter says that, and through a window in a basket, I was let down by the wall and escaped his hand. The Lord was so good. The Lord had such a purpose before that he enabled him to escape from Damascus. He enabled him to survive the shipwrecks. He enabled him to survive the beatings and the stonings and all that. But there did come a time. Paul had to pay the ultimate price. And he was killed under the reign of Nero at a particular time when the Lord had said, No, is enough. He then went through, did he not, all that time. And we read of... Um, Galatians, how he went to uh, uh, Arabia and, and, and other places. We read in verse 32 of this Aretas the king. Perhaps you'd be interested to know that he was a king of the Nabataean Arabs who held sway over the city of Damascus. And how he was influenced to apprehend Paul. And enabled Paul to escape. Paul's time for execution would come, but it wouldn't be in Damascus. In the future, right. That's another thing that we can be. We remain until our service for Christ is Whether it be one day, or a hundred days, or years. There is a day. We won't add one minute on. We won't take one minute off. But until that, we are immortal. Whatever the enemy sends against us, the Lord will enable us to continue. As I say, we cannot add a moment onto our lives, and we cannot take a moment and surely, like the Apostle Paul, we will never have to go through what he went. 
But what we can do is, like the Apostle Paul, follow his example and rest assured in the Lord. And then be available for the Lord's service. And it may not mean being beaten up or chucked in prison, but it will mean some inconvenience. It will mean some sacrifice. And perhaps, who knows, it may even mean some suffering. But may the Lord enable us to be faithful in these days in which he's put us to serve. Let's sing, shall we, our last hymn. Hymn number 807. Who shall the Lord's neck condemn? It is God that justifies their souls. And mercy like a mighty stream, or all their sins divinely rolls. Hymn number 807.
and encourage us, each one of us, in our walk with him. And as we come now, Lord, to have this time of remembrance, we pray, Lord, you would richly bless the bread that is before us, the wine that is set before us, as we remember the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, you would richly bless and enable us through this very precious time that we enable spend together around the table. We ask this in the most precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ.